Wow, haven't heard this in a while. 19 yeah. minutes before the hour, and our good friend John DePietro is in the house. I guess he wanted to say goodbye uh, on the air. Uh, one final one final installment of Web Savvy before we go into the... Uh, the uh, what, what is what is it called? I'm drawing a blank on it. The... Um, Wild is it the Marconi, the Marconi Museum of Radio History or something like that? Anyway. Uh, no no idea. <laughs> no idea. No. So John DePietro. Radio History is not uh, not my bag. Yeah. Well, if Liberty Digital Marketing is uh, is back in the house with us. Good morning, John. Good morning, Rich. Good to have you. Good to be here. Thanks. So, but uh, I, I wish it weren't sort of a, a goodbye, but... Yeah. Penultimate show. <laughs> penultimate show? It's the penultimate Gerard Relag show. Ah, I, I don't know what penultimate means. Second to last. Oh, I guess I need to dive back into my Word Wealth uh, books. Is that vocabulary thing you've been preaching? That vocabulary, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I remember the days when I used to have to, you know, we, it was the vocabulary book, I forget, it was called Word Wealth. I mean, you, you, you were learning 30, 40 new words a week. Mm-hmm. You had your vocabulary test, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yeah. See, and that's and that's something that's something my kids did do a lot of when they were being homeschooled was vocabulary tests. My my daughter's English teacher last year was pretty good about the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was she was actually really good about fundamentals. It. I was just at a meeting mm. last night preaching fundamentals. Um, it's never a bad thing, in my opinion, no matter what you're talking about, whether it's a uh, it's an organization, a sports team, school, uh, any pursuit in life. Master the fundamentals first. Worry about the fluff later. Yeah, you know if the funny thing is, is you know before uh, Larry Bird mastered the behind the back, you know the behind the back pass, he he mastered all the fundamentals of basketball. And it's amazing how creative you can be when you master the disciplines, when you master the fundamentals, and when you're well yeah. rehearsed. Yeah, the, some of the sports greats, Larry Bird's a perfect example. Of that Tom Brady is another one. Just the the obsession, the absolute. Uh, just crazy obsession these guys had with oh, wow. practicing and mastering the fundamentals. How, how many hours before practice did Larry Bird show up, and how many hundreds of shots did he take from you know three point land, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Every day, every day, every of his day. Life. So what I thought I would do is kind of wrap up the web savvy segment. There you you go. know the the three years or so, uh, or four years. I think it was almost four years. I think we started uh, in thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I kind of broke down, you know, we started out just talking about general social media stuff, and then for the last couple of years, it's the, the, the same themes sort of started popping up over and over again, and it really turned into, I think, a cautionary tale mm-hmm. about technology. Right. And I broke them down into three silos. Uh, one is privacy risks. And um, the legal entanglements that go along with those, I'll I'll explain that in a second. Um, Another bucket that became increasingly disturbing is the influence of Google and Facebook on everything. On everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything from being able to affect our mood Mm -hmm. and our psyche to... Influencing elections, uh, it's no. The Russians did that with three thousand dollars worth of Facebook ads, didn't you know? Yeah, did you see my infographic on that? No, <laughs> no, I, I actually, actually did. I created a bar graph that showed the Facebook spend by Clinton and Trump combined. Yeah, and it's like you know, 
the uh, Empire State Building, uh-huh. and then next to it is the amount that Russia spent, uh-huh. and it's like a hot dog cart. You know? <laughs> we have uh, Albert in Manchester who wants to uh, chime in on fundamentals. Good morning, Albert. Hey, guys. I'm sorry I'm probably cutting into your conversation here, John, but fundamentals are key. I'm going to relate it to my job where I work on a bunch of machines that are all based on timing and stuff, and the best place to be when everything's going wrong is back to home. So, yeah. one of the, so back to your thing, the fund, fundamentals, it's, you know, hit, you know, go back home, you know, homeschooling, home teaching, you know, let a, let a mother stay at home to teach their kids once in a while. But, you know, fundamentals can be, you know, like you said, put in every area. So, they, like in my job, when I go back to, you know, diagnose a broken machine, I go back to the basic operation of the machine and how was it running the first time. So, that's all I got for you guys. Thanks. No, and that, that's a great point, Albert. Appreciate the call uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, my my fight on the curriculum and instruction committee in Manchester has been getting back to teaching the fundamentals the way they are supposed to be taught, which is why the English and math curriculums are under review now, particularly the math, and why I, I tried to stop the imposition of yet another one of these goofy curriculums that went through the same closed process, the next generation science standards. Um, you know, for science in the middle schools. But anyway, so. Which, which brings us to the third B in my bonnet, <laughs> which is technology in the classroom. Uh. And uh, just, you know, here here's the thing. And I, I just experienced this again last week. And I, I honestly don't remember where I was. Uh, and, and I want to be careful about how I couch this because it can be condescending and, and insulting to people. But... There's a tendency for people who don't understand technology to treat it like it is this mysterious black magic, right? <laughs> and, 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 and that, and, and this sense of wonderment that because I don't understand how to use an iPad or a computer, We must teach the children how to do it at all costs. We've got to teach children how to use iPads. First of all, you don't need to teach a kid how to use an iPad. All you got to do is hand it to them and make sure it's charged. They'll take it from there. Thank you very much. Yes, they will. Number two, there's a a dynamic at play here that I have not done a very good job articulating, I don't think. And that is that the more advanced technology gets, the less there is a need to understand it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll give you an example. Maybe a, a desire because people feel well, it's so far beyond them. There's no need to. Here's, here's what I mean by it. I'll, okay. try to, I'll try it with an example. When I, when I first graduated college, went into the workforce in 1990, right? Computers, personal computers had some serious design limitations right. with regard to how they used memory. And my job was factory automation, and my job was to use computers to run machines, which was a big deal back in 1990. You didn't see that very much. It was still electromechanical relays and pneumatics and, all kind, and hydraulics, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So it was, we were doing that transition to using computers. The problem was computers, we, IBM, actual IBM PCs were not at all designed to do that kind of thing for a whole bunch of technical reasons. So the point is I had to take classes. Like I had to go away 
to these all-day seminars that would teach you the how the guts of a PC worked down to the register level and the memory level, and we had to use all kinds of tricks and uh, uh, software utilities to squeeze every last byte of memory that we could out of those computers in order to get them to do what we wanted to do. You don't need to know that now. All you need to do is turn the thing on and and, and download the software and install it, and it just works. Mm. Uh, you know, same thing with with iPhones. I mean, one of the reasons I don't have an iPhone, one of the reasons I hate iPhones like poison <laughs> is that they don't allow you to do anything. You know, there's you don't they are simple on purpose. I think to a fault. I think the devices are too simple and don't give you enough control over the device. So, that's sort of my uh what I want people to think about when they keep saying and, – and the other thing, the, the final thing about technology in the classroom when we have to teach the kids is technology is virtually unrecognizable on a five-year horizon, right? You think about – go back to 2012 and think about the technology that we had, specifically computer technology and, and high-tech and, th- and consumer techno- uh, electronics. It's unrecognizable from five years ago. So why are we spending so much time and treasure teaching something teaching that's going to be six-year-olds yeah. a technology that is not going to be around by the time they're in middle school? Right. No, I, 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 I've seen it. I think the way that uh, school districts use technology is uh, awful because they, they don't harness the technology to improve their lessons. They substitute their lessons with technology. And I I have a problem with that. You know, just like I have a problem with teachers who say, okay, well, we're going to teach you how to use the calculator in elementary school or even middle school, rather than teach you how to do the underlying math that we're instead now going to use the calculator. Uh, Yeah. So pushing this button pushing that button and then that number, that number, and then hit the cosine button and that will give you the answer. I don't need the teacher to teach me how to use the calculator. I I need the teacher to teach me how to do the cosine uh, function. Right. And this is not to say all technology is bad and it's not to say that teachers shouldn't be leveraging it. It's misapplied and it's 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 used too much. Kids, kids might as well just leave their pencils at home at this point. My, well, my son, all he does for his writing is on a computer. And that's a disaster. And I'm like, he, I'm like what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I just typed my report on my computer. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. no. do you write it anywhere? It, no. it, it's going to be another five or ten years before we realize how disastrous this whole thing has this whole experiment has been with putting the pencils down um yeah well i mean you you know uh the whole common core push against uh cursive handwriting yeah john and hooks it uh have the public schools stopped teaching cursive so that americans next generation can't read the constitution (laughs) and there is a link between handwriting i made my kids before they could type anything like a report a paper whatnot i made them handwrite they had to do all their drafts in handwriting and I had to see that they had written it out before I would let them type it into the computer and turn it in. I know we're we're running out of time here, so I wanted to make sure We've still I got touched, three three or four minutes. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the other two. So, um, one of the one of the topics that I came back to over and over again that I just want to want to leave people with, maybe give you some homework to to read up on it. Um, I'll I'll couch it in the form of a question: What does Al Capone have to do with 
technology in 2017. There's a, there's a link between Al Capone and our privacy rights today that yeah. are under assault. Is the technology buried in the end zone of Giant Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the, con- the connection there is the way that they got Al Capone was through his bookkeeper's books. And I say his bookkeeper's books because they were his books, right? So the the way that the government got around the illegal search and seizure um, clause of the, of the Constitution is that they said, well, because Capone allowed all of his accounting data to be given to a third party, this accountant— Oh. He lost his privacy. He gave up his privacy rights, and therefore it was not an illegal search and seizure. And so we have been, the government has been relying on that to this day so that your email, think about how much of our lives we give the third to Google, to Facebook, mm-hmm. to any cloud computing platform. Well, all of that information, as far as the government is concerned, belongs to them now. Because you willingly gave it to a third party, you gave up your right to privacy. So you have no reasonable expectation of privacy in your email. As opposed to, say, going into a non-public session that everybody knows is recorded for posterity, there is no reasonable expectation of privacy there. So, mm. Al Capone and your email. Yeah. And then finally, the the Google and Facebook thing. I know people joke about it. Ha, ha, ha. They're, you know, they're persecuting conservatives. Ha, ha, ha. They are. It's far worse than people realize. Let me just say that as bad as you think it is, it's worse. Uh, The worst conspiracy theories that are out there are probably pretty accurate. Um, and, and, And it's... Well, I get thrown in Facebook jail. Yeah, well, and, and, for, and, for doing nothing other than posting in sites that I yeah. uh, have always posted in. Yeah. So there's the thought control, but what is what really keeps me up at night is the algorithms. The fact that like Google algorithms. So the way these work, they're com- people. Some people think that well, it's a computer algorithm, so it's not like you know people aren't influencing influencing it. It's just software. <laughs> they determine yeah. the, they determine the algorithm. Not only that, they tweak the algorithm. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of tweaks that Google makes every day. Thousands of changes to the algorithm every single day. It's like doggy treats, right? They're training the dog. <laughs> when the algorithm gets gets it right, they get a treat. When the algorithm gets it wrong, they get a, you know, a little uh, swipe on the nose. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly saying, okay, that's good, that's good. No, 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 we don't want that. And so it's humans that are constantly tweaking. Uh, it, I mean, obviously, there's, da- there's a lot of data that goes into it, click-through rates, bounce rates, yo-yoing, things like that, that, uh, that define them. But at the end of the day, it's still human beings who are writing and judging these algorithms in terms of their veracity and their, their accuracy. And this stuff can get away from us uh, in a hurry and, mm. and, and, and have effects... I talked about it a, a couple of times on the Web Savvy segment, this really terrifying study that was done 
using a real election. I forget what country it was in. It, this was not some classroom experiment. This was not some egg-headed paper exercise. This was a real election where they measured the results of simply changing the order of search engine results for candidates, and they were able to move the election results by 7%. 7% is a huge number. Making it all the more remarkable that Donald Trump survived. Exactly. Now you look at the overwhelming bias in the media, right? You don't even have to have a crooked algorithm now. All you have to have is an unbalanced reporting media where 90% of the coverage tilts a certain way. That's what you're going to get in terms of 90% of the search results. That's without a biased search algorithm. So what the so is there an answer do conservatives have to start their own uh th- their own search engines no. and uh No, that's not going to work. They've got to fight within the system. Uh I believe we need a we we need a a renaissance, a cultural renaissance in this country that makes it cool to be conservative. Not to be conservative, to <laughs> to, to 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 be a critical thinker because our problem right now is tribalism. It's not conservative versus democrat it's us versus them and the social media echo chamber makes that worse it's got to be cool again to question your own tribe and be an individual and say i you know i'm a republican or i'm a democrat but i'm still an individual and you know i don't agree with this you know i agree with 90 percent, but these are the two things i don't agree with and it it it's got to be cool to stand out from the crowd and and take an individual stance and be viewed as a as a critical thinker because you know you just look at look at all the the sexual assault allegations going mm-hmm. on right now and you see the same pattern if you're a democrat it's oh you know let's do well it doesn't matter who you are if you're a democrat and it's a democrat that it's accused you start making excuses and say oh well you know let's wait till the facts are in here mm-hmm. and it's a, and the same thing if you're a republican and it's a republican that's being accused I'll wait, you know, hold on, this, you know, we, we don't have all the facts and this and that, and, and but if it's the other team, you're like, burn them at the stake, take, you know, take their kids away from them and, and throw them in the gulag. And that's why people like us who are consistent intellectually on these things and how we approach them are the bane of all. John DePietro, thanks for your reprise of the uh, Web Savvy segment to remind people of how awesome that was. Thank you uh, for the last six years. Well, I mean, well, I wish I could do more. Yep, we all, all do. Right. So we, we have uh, overrun the top of the hour, so we're going to hit the station ID. John, libertydigitalmarketing.net to learn more. And the other John who came in to say hey and has to go now, we appreciate you both being here with us this morning on the Gerard Large Thank Radio you. Show.